Hello and welcome to another episode of NCC Audio, and I am your host, Nicholas Carlton Chamberlain. And in this podcast, we talk about all things audio. And today we have a very special guest. His name is Ashton Mills. So a little bit about Ashton. He used to run creative music workshops with vulnerable children and adults by day and play fiddle in a Kaylee band by night before embarking on his journey into game audio. He scored and sound designed numerous random and never-to-be-released indie projects, one of which, Among the Stones, won the Ones to Watch BAFTA Award in 2017. Before starting at Jagex in 2018 as an audio designer, previously working on live ops and episodic content for RuneScape, and currently working on an unannounced project. Ashton lives in Cambridge, UK with his fiance Dips and baby son Rye. Hey Ashton, how's it going? Hello, yes, I'm very well, how are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, early here for me in California, but it's in, uh, I don't know, like late, e- early evening? Or, yeah, what time is it there? <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, it's quarter to three. It's, yeah, it's a nice, nice time of day. It's very sunny outside in my garden. Oh. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, I hear the birds chirping. It sounds like a wonderful time right now. And in Cambridge, right? Yeah, no, it's good. It's it's very sunny right here uh, and it's very warm. Um, I'm really lucky because um, I'm working from home these days uh, because of um, the current situation. So, but I have a um, I have a, an office in my garden. Oh, that is beautiful. How wonderful. Yeah, no, I'm very lucky. Um, so it's a, a nice place for me to be working. Yeah, and so as I was reading your um, bio, I just had a, a couple of quick questions and so tell us a little bit about this uh among the stones one the ones that watch bafta what is what do you mean by bafta what's all this uh okay so um well the um bafta games is um you know it's it's the uk's big um award ceremony for you know for games um oh cool it's um well, I mean, we have, but you have BAFTAs for uh, for film and TV as well that you know that are really well known, and and then um, there's you know there's the games one. So um, I we I was involved in a project called Among the Stones, which is um, it, I I I met some really cool guys um, at a at a gaming event um, at the Birmingham NEC. Yeah. Um. Back in um two thousand and was it in two thousand? It would have been in two thousand and sixteen actually. Um. And yeah, I I sort of just got chatting to these guys who were, they were just finishing up at university. Um. Work and they were working on this sort of their end of year project. Um. And it had been doing really well. It had picked up a couple of awards for, um, that they sort of entered entered in for. Um. And then they were they. Um, they'd got this nomination for the Ones to Watch Award, um, which is a a BAFTA that's kind of is a closed nomination BAFTA award for um, oh, okay. um for games that were sort of in development by students, um and um yeah so the, and then so I, I kind of came on board. They'd done they'd done a huge amount of work on the game already. It was you mm-hmm. know they were ready to sort of send the demo off to BAFTA, but they really needed a kind of an audio overhaul. Um, so I just sort of I worked on that for a few months with them. Um, before the before the BAFTA ceremony, which is good, and then um, and yeah, we won, which was which was amazing. So I got to go to the BAFTA, you know, with a tux and 
you know. Oh wow, that's really cool. <laughs> meet all the meet all the big pe- the big people in games, which is really lovely. Um, yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, and that launched you into getting your starting a role at Jagex. Um, not directly. I mean, um, I I I sort of I worked on so before I'd worked on that. I I kind of worked on a few other small little projects, and you know this was um, um, but you know they kind of just things just sort of started to gather a little bit more momentum, and I was able to kind of get involved in a couple of other sort of slightly larger scale mm. projects. Still, you know, indie projects that never got anywhere. I mean, g- games that get made, you you don't sort of realize this unless you sort of work in the field. That you know, there's a lot for every game that gets released. There's a you know, there's probably about a hundred that just don't go anywhere either because you know they're being developed by bigger studios and then they pull the plug on them or they're mm-hmm. just small indie projects you know from uh small teams or individuals um and they just kind of run out of steam and they don't really go anywhere or they might get released and you know on 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 a website somewhere and you know only one yeah. person ever buys it <laughs> there was one game early days i was in some music for a game and I, I remember i was sort of negotiating over several emails you know what the revenue share was going to be you know for me being involved in this and how much of a percentage i would take from the end of sales because he couldn't pay me up front mm-hmm. you know and then like yeah one person bought the game and the game made five dollars <laughs> oh and the guy was like okay do you want me to send you your like you know your one dollar and i was like no it's okay <laughs> Oh my gosh. And then how much work and effort like had to go into scoring and doing the sound design for like Not that games. much. It was a tiny okay, okay. it was a tiny project. Okay, it was, okay. it was, it was, it was a, a small thing. It was fun and it you know, I think the thing is, you know, yeah. in those early days is you just have to you know, just sort of see it as it's part it's part of your journey, you know. You you're you're learning yeah. some skills, you're learning even when you're just kind of working on some random little thing. I mean, I, this was like this was some some guy had made um he made a game out of a out of a children's book that his friend wrote, and he'd kind uh-huh. of taken the art, you know, and did sort of had this kind of like cut out sort of 2D art design, you know, and then he made these kind of mini games out of it and stuff like that. It was just silly, silly little stuff, but you, you know, all of that time, you're just kind of learning and thinking, thinking about what the challenges are and, you know. Yeah, that's exciting. Well, let's start there. I mean, let's just get back into like, your story. So how did Ashton get into audio in the first place and like how did this develop into working with video games and audio i I find that very interesting um i mean i think i was always like a relatively musical child you know child Mm -hmm. and teenager and i I kind of um you know i love playing around on keyboards and stuff i had a keyboard when i was a kid and you know that we loved love playing and like singing a lot um and then i i started playing guitar started having guitar lessons when i was uh when I was in year six at school. Uh, and I think I kind of thought, you know, I, I kind of, I wanted to play guitar, but also I sort of wanted to be cool. Uh, so I thought, I thought it would be cool. It didn't really make me cool at all. I think, I think if you do playing guitar in like the eighties, seven, you know, not maybe the eighties, but sort of sixties and seventies, you know, people would think you were cool, but you know, going to school in the, in the nineties and two thousands, ah, no one really cares about guitar. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was uh, I was playing guitar um, for a while, just playing sort of rock music and, and things, and then I started to teach myself a bit, um, write my own songs. I was playing in a couple of bands. Um, um, I started playing the fiddle um, as well when I was about seventeen, 
and then um and then yeah i just i guess it was just always a kind of a natural progression for me that i wanted to go to university and study music so okay um i went off to canterbury um in the in the uh, southeast of the uk mm-hmm. um to uh to study music for the fiddle or just overall or what was the specific thing for music you're studying the course i did was a very comprehensive one um, it you know kind of looked at lots of different aspects of music in terms of both theory and performance and composition and everything. Uh, my major was composition. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, um, I, mostly I was playing fiddle when I was there. Um, but yeah, a bit of piano and a bit of, bit of guitar as well in different groups. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah. Then then I got to um after I finished you know towards the end of finishing my degree I was uh, one of the one of the one of the kind of things I was doing when I was at uh when I was at uni was we uh, I was really interested in um one of the modules I was taking which is about music and health and well-being and you know it's kind of about um getting involved in the community with music and you know running running projects and um and this is actually something I had done a bit before I started university, I was kind of, I, I was volunteering on a on a project for uh, for young people in uh, for looked after children, so children in social care. Um, there was this big project that they used to put on every summer, where um, they'd hire a big circus tent and um, they would get together and put on a big show. And I was kind of I, I'd go along and volunteer to help out with the music for that. Okay. Um, and that was something I always found really inspiring and really loved. And I think so. Being at university, kind of. Particularly towards the end, I started to sort of really get an idea that I was really interested in. I loved composing and I loved being yeah. creative with music, and I did really like performing. But I think I I started to get this feeling that I didn't really want to just write music that was going to kind of be played in a concert hall, um, and then it would just evaporate, and that was it. You know that it was just <laughs> it was just nothing. You know, there's something very ephemeral about writing new music. Um, that I just kind of wanted to go one step further and that I wanted the music to have some kind of application. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted, I wanted there to be some kind of purpose to what I was doing. Um, and I think, so at first I thought, you know, I really wanted, I really want to kind of take what I'm doing kind of creatively with music and bring it out into the community and work with people directly. And, uh, and so I, I went off to, I went off to do a master's in, uh, in London at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I did it and that was in a course called leadership, kind of confusingly called leadership. Um, <laughs> it's actually kind of project based music. So it was all about kind of working in the community and working across culture, c- across cultures, across different musical styles, um, and kind of sort of finding your kind of core musical practice um and uh, and how you can kind of have this sort of defined musical identity and take that to different settings so whether you know whether you're kind of working in a school and then maybe you're kind of doing some performing and some writing maybe working on an album or whatever like you've got all these different aspects to your musical life you know it's the life of a kind of contemporary musician um but that there's some kind of a unifying uh thread sort of between all those things that is your kind of core musical identity yeah. Can you talk about any projects that you were working on at that time? Like, wh- what did that look like? Um, so when I was, yeah, when I was there, I, uh, some of the projects I did. So um, I worked with um, a choir of uh, refugees um, 
in um in this uh, refugee center and we um we did some we wrote a song together that was in like i think it was in about five different african languages um and we yeah and then so um and it was a song we kind of wrote the lyrics together and i kind of composed the music to, that would go with it and then um, we performed that as a group um in the barbican center um and because uh, it was all kind of run the, the 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 course i was doing was kind of partnered with the barbican center and their outreach department so we had a lot of overlap with with what they were doing we did we did some you know some projects in schools with bands um i did a i did a project with a with a dancer um where i was writing music and she was coming up with some participatory dance so it was kind of a kind of creative adaptation of this idea of the kaylee basically you know wow. where, yeah. how you know what 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 can we do with the kaylee where instead of just playing traditional music you know we maybe write our own music and we write our own dances but we use that as a format you know and the the idea behind you know what these participatory dances are all about you know that was that was a, another project i you know i did I did not picture like <laughs> your journey, like going being this in depth on like leading up to like game audio. <laughs> I just, well, I think no, I this, think is, no, this is super yeah, cool. It, yeah, I like all this. You know, you have a very uh, diverse background of all these different musical elements, just like <laughs> pushing you forward. I I really love this. Yeah, there, I think there was always there always has been something kind of like, well, I, I want to do something else. I want to do something more. I don't just want to sit there and yeah. I don't just want to stand there and stage and play. Yeah. I don't want to just want to sit there in my room and write music that no one ever mm -hmm. listens to. I want something else. And and I, 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 I got involved in a couple of bands when I was in London mm -hmm. um, and um, I'm still kind of I think, well, we still we still play together every now and then we do weddings and stuff every now and then this Kaylee band. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and that's been a great outlet. And that's another thing. It's like, you know, I really want to play music. I'm, I'm playing music for a purpose. I'm, you know, I'm bringing like everyone together and everyone's dancing and learning new things. And, you know, it's more than just playing a concert, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of creating some energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, and then I, I, well, I left, I left the university and I, I ran, <laughs> this is going to get even more random now. I ran, <laughs> ran a project with, uh, with a friend of mine. I ran a project with this friend who, um, who's a, he's like a sculptor and uh, he's mm -hmm. sort of good at, good with working with wood and stuff like that. And we were making musical instruments from scrap and, um, <laughs> and then like recording them, you know, we'd, so we'd, I'd take like a laptop and, you know, microphones and stuff like that. And then we'd record them, we'd use samplers and, you know, kind of just do kind of creative music making with these, uh, with these instruments that we'd made. Wow. And we did that in like various places. We did it at some festivals and for some like a carnival. We did a project. We did a um, we we did a we we did various things in schools and um, that was that was a really fun project for a while that we did. And then I was I was involved in yeah loads of different types of community music for quite a long time. I was um I was working in a in a hospital a children's hospital yeah um like teaching well like doing creative let digital music work with uh with kids who were like quite sick um you know we'd take laptops in and we'd like kind of play around on you know soft synths and uh yeah you know make make fun music together and i was working with some vulnerable children in the community like kids with uh learning disabilities or kind of difficult home lives and things like that and they'd come into the studio and we do all sorts of creative music stuff um and then i was teaching fiddle as well mm -hmm. um on the side of all of that um and then yeah playing occasionally playing gigs in the evenings as well so 
it's kind of very diverse but i think sort of alongside all of that work that i was doing with with young people mostly young people adults as well yeah so yeah at this point you're really owning your craft as a musician as an audio engineer like you're putting all these these things together really making a big impact in the community I, i i love this story this is great yeah, I I think that was all true. But I think what was happening is I was like m- very much against what my kind of what my master's do was about was I was kind of spending all my time helping other people find their creative voice um, and not really spending any time on my own. Like I wasn't really taking my fiddle playing anywhere. I wasn't really writing any of my, my own music. I wasn't really going anywhere with my own actual craft. It was uh, all yeah. about yeah. what I was doing with other with 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 the participants that i was working with and i kind of sort of thought right okay i, I want to i'm you know I, I love games and i you know i'd be really interested in you know in getting involved in in writing music for games um so i um and i, I started to uh listen to there's a, a podcast actually game the game audio podcast i don't even think they make it anymore mm. um there's da- damien Kastbauer who is like the 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 guru of game audio they call him he's mm-hmm. like he's he's it's a very good thinker um and he ran this podcast with a guy from guerrilla games uh in holland um and um they um and and yeah i just kind of listened to this stuff and i just kind of like learnings just kind of getting an idea of really what the field what the field would look like um and they were saying all these things and i had no idea what they were on about you know it was just like complete jargon and I think I just sort of started to, yeah, just like just passively kind of take in various things, maybe a little bit what you're doing, you know, listen to a bit of that, listen to a bit, read yeah. a bit of that. I found a really good podcast. I don't, have you ever heard of um, Emily Reese? Mm. She runs a podcast mm-hmm. called Level. Um, no, no, it I'll used, check it, it out. used to be it used to be Top Score, and it was on um, uh, Minnesota Public Radio. Okay, no, uh, that was okay. a, a while ago, but then. But yeah, she'd interview composers for video games. and you know, Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I sort of started to get kind of an, an appetite for that. And I was like, right, okay, I'm going to write some music and I'm going to kind of get in touch with some um, people who make games. And um, yeah, so how did that transition to <laughs> you're making instruments out of wood, scrap wood, you're helping out these vulnerable children. And now you want you're starting to listen to all these podcasts on audio and composing for video games. How did that transition into working in the video game industry? Well, it was a very steady thing, you know, okay. and it was, you know, it was, I think at first I was just doing a few little jobs here, you know, on the side here and there uh, for people. I, I went on to a few forums and I'd see people talking about these indie games that they were making. And I'm, you know, I'm like, tiny games that like individual people are just working on on their own at home um you know and i just get in touch and just say oh you know uh, i'm a composer are you interested in in you know in having some audio in your game yeah um, okay and they'd be like well i don't have any money but you know if i make any money from this i'll give you a little bit and it's like okay cool and i just do a little bit of that you know meanwhile i'm still doing all of my community music work yes and yes and that, those that was running alongside that for a while, and then I started to do a course. I did a course called uh, from, from the, the School of Video Game Audio, um, which is um, run by an amazing human being called Leonard Paul, uh, which is he's he's based out in Vancouver, 
Um, and it's just an online, you know, course that you can do. You can learn how to use some of the, some of the um, kind of key bits of software that you use to make audio for games. Um, and and yeah, so I, I took I took one of those courses, just sort of thinking, okay, well, I don't really I'm not, I don't really know anything about sound design, but I you know I'm I'm interested in learning more about implementation for music. So how you know how can I? Because obviously with games, you know, you're not you're not just writing a you know a, a song and then chucking it in the game you know a lot, there's a lot more to it than that you know making making things work in the right places and you know making the music dynamic and stuff like that so i started to um i was in, i did this course kind of thinking that and he, and 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 he was like well you know you can do that if you like but this is mostly about sound design and you know you can you can do a bit of music and a bit of sound design you know as you do this course and I was so I kind of started to get dip my toes into sound design, and I I just absolutely loved it. it. You know, I just fell in love with it. Right, right there. We were working on this this really old school demo game. It's like an open source um, demo game called Cube. You know, it's a bit it's a bit like Doom. You know, kind of thing. You know, just sort of like a a, ba- a very basic first person shooter. Um, and you know, you just kind of you just go in. It's all completely. It's all completely silent and you just go in and you add, you know, you add all the footstep sounds, all the weapon sounds, all the sounds of your character jumping, all the, all the baddies, you know, you put all the sounds on them and everything like that. And I just, I just absolutely loved it. And then since then I was like, all right, okay, I want to work on sound design and music, you know, not (laughs) just, not just music, you know. So in the classic kind of like, oh, here's another thing that I want to get involved in. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. And you, it's crazy. It goes from zero sound and then you just add in all these elements and then it just brings the game to life. I kind of had that same experience with um, doing sound design. We did <laughs> in school um, to a, a scene in Shrek, and okay. we t- we removed all of the sound and we played it back. You know, it's silent. And then the teacher said, "Okay, now you need to make it sound just like the movie or try to make it sound better." And so you know, you add all, you record all those little sound effects that you can find (laughs) like there was a clank of armor and then we're trying to figure out how do we make a clank of armor sound and so you know we just like took this girl's purse and put like a lot of things in there (laughs) shaking it (laughs) and so that was like wow i would love to get into this also there's so many different aspects of audio that i just love and want to get into but yeah that's awesome so yeah continue um yeah i mean so that that was kind of like really where i just sort of dip my toes into sound design at the beginning and I just ah fell in love with it um and I just wanted to do that really um so I just started to get involved in other small projects where I was working on sound design and at the, you know at the same time in what 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 you what you tend to do if you don't have a game to work on you know in sound design is you just you just grab bits of like you just said you know for your uh, for your film you know you, you just feel for, for you know your project at school you know yeah. you just you get some film footage and you just put some sound into it or you well, you know or some game footage and yeah and you just sort of add add things in and and so I was just kind of working on my own little personal projects as well for a while and kind of and then adding I'm just doing little bits of contract work for various people I worked on a game called um from beneath which I don't know I don't know what's happened to that now if that's still being developed or whatever like <laughs> um that was really that was really cool like horror game and i was making the sound for the creatures yeah oh that's crazy oh and i did uh, go onto your linkedin and you have a, a url linking to your um audio demo reel okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know if you remember putting that up there or not but 
at one point you um you're creating the helicopter sounds for a helicopter oh yeah for that scene from jurassic park <laughs> yeah that was super cool if anyone's like wondering like how do you how does someone do this like <laughs> look at ashton's link on his linkedin and it's really cool you you took a shirt or something and then you're like pulling it back and forth and yeah. then you um <laughs> you sped it up and then i think you added some low end and like some drum and then you just <laughs> it sounded like a helicopter going yeah and then the, it was yeah it's funny like, so that was that was like early early you know i did that before i you know got a job anyway like I, I that was actually that was um m- my first um so when you're applying for jobs in studio, because I, I got to the point where I got, you know, I was like, oh, I got a fair amount of experience. Now, I really want to apply for a job where actually I go and work in-house in a game studio. That's what I really want to do. Um, so I started to um, to apply for jobs and I got a, um, the first stage, you know, they they look at your CV and if they like that, then they, they'll send you, um, they'll send you an audio test. Um, so they send you some some footage and it might it might be from their game or it might be there might be a few different things um on there and then you have to uh design the sound you know for these for these video clips that they send you um and that and actually that was that was for that's that little bit from jurassic park was was for one of those oh uh, wow was, for a job they, application they sent out this in yeah yeah exactly so yeah, it's like you the, that's crazy yeah so the interview is you know, it's probably important, but really important is, all right, how can this guy actually make this scene sound super realistic with his sound design skills? Because that's what we want him to do. So that's yeah. a pretty intense test. It's, and it's funny, actually, like with, you know, when you're doing, because when you're doing that stuff uh, in the early days, you know, you don't have, uh, you know, right, like right now in, you know, and, you know, where I'm, where I'm working, you know, we've got a, a big, shared sound library mm-hmm. you know with all the sound libraries that we buy um you know with all the explosion sounds that we buy and you know all that kind of stuff you know that's what sound designers you know working in game studios mostly they're using library material recorded by other recordists you know you don't have and that you know unless you're kind of if you're say if you're working at like um you know uh dice or you know one of the ubisoft studios or something and you're going to be working on a on a game where guns are a really big part of it. So you actually will send people out, you know, and you'll go and record these guns. But, you know, for, for if if you're just going to use some gun sounds or some explosion sounds as part of other sound effects in your game, but they're not like, you know, you don't have yeah. the time and the budget to yeah. go out and record all those things yourself all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the real authentic sounds. Yeah. So we most most of what we do is using stuff from a library. You know, we we have this big library to work with, and your you know the creative part of your practice is the selection and the manipulation and the combination of all the different sounds. It's not the actual recording that you do. But when you're in those early stages, before you actually have you know you don't have thousands and thousands of pounds to spend on all of these sound libraries. Um, so you're doing all this stuff at home by yourself with your tea towel, like fluffing <laughs> it around. <laughs> then like you know i saw you like scratching rocks and like creating all these crazy sound effects like to make a the like this stone temple elevator rise exactly yeah i got those stone slabs in my in my garden like my uh my girlfriend she was like let's just get rid of these let's take them to the dump and i was like i I, i'm gonna have a use for them i know i am and i used them (laughs) so much for sound design they're really really useful (laughs) that's awesome and then um 
Yeah. How did, so after you applied to a couple of jobs, you went through these different job interviews. Uh, what was your first full-time job um, in the audio, um, in the video game world? Uh, well, yeah, as an audio designer. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, he, it's at Jagex where I am now. Jagex. Um, okay. Wow. And that was uh, started in 2018? Uh, that's right. In January 2018. So, so yeah, almost, um, almost two and a half years now. Can you talk about the, um, the, the interview process for that on how to get how you got into that job in the first place and what that looks like? I saw the job advertised. Um, I'd applied for quite a lot of jobs before that. So I had, you have to have a demo reel and you have to keep it updated and, you know, usually you kind of want to tailor your demo reel a little bit to what you think they might want to see. So, you know, if, you know, for example, if they're, if they're a studio that makes like, you know, family friendly kind of Nintendo switch games and, you know, your demo reel is all kind of like (laughs) stamping on heads and, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. You know, maybe you want to kind of have a few different things in your, palette that you can kind of bring out and you know so i had i had a demo reel that i would change up here and there depending on who i was sending it to it it takes a long time to you know it's a long game getting an in-house job in the industry you know you have to you have to practice a lot your sound design you have to you know fail a lot and a lot of it comes down to how well you gel with the um the people you know that you that you end up talking to and Mm -hmm. And and whether they not they like your style, you know, a lot of it's relatively relatively subjective as well. And yeah, um, so so yeah. Anyway, I've been applying a lot. I had my demo reel. I just so yeah. I just I applied for this job. I sent them my CV, my CV and covering letter and my demo reel. And then they just gave me a ring and said, initially with just just with the recruiter person and um yeah. in in you know the studio, and they just asked me some questions. And then uh, and then they sent me an audio test. Um, and um i did i did the audio test and it was like yeah it was it was pretty intense that one actually because they just got loads of footage from runescape but they were like they deliberately made it really hard because they just had like loads and loads of about five second clips there must have been about 30 five second clips throughout the game so you just had all these things to do um so yeah and i just i worked on that i i worked on it for about a week um and then sent it off, and then yeah, I had an, and then they called me in for an interview in house, mm-hmm. um, and I went and I met the team and chatted to um, the audio director um, and and the uh, two other uh, sound designers that were there, mm-hmm. um, uh, that are there that are still there, um, yeah, and then um, and I yeah I got the job and then started in <laughs> a couple of months later and been there ever since. So wow, that's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about Jagex? Like, what is Jagex? Jagex? Am I saying that right? <laughs> it looks like it's yeah, you Jagex. are actually. Yeah, you are <laughs> Jagex. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was uh, re- reading about it. Uh, Jagex stands for Java Games Experience, or something like that. Uh, I think it originally stands stood for Java Java Gaming Experts. But, oh, experts. Okay. But I think um, I think now technically it's meant to refer to just the game, just about the gaming experience or something. Oh, <laughs> I like I how think. you can <laughs> transition. <laughs> yes, yeah, quite. Uh, just so that we're not completely restricted to yeah. Java, because I mean, because because it was when you know it was it, it all began with RuneScape. You know, Jagex was just uh, yeah. was was just RuneScape, and and of course that was all Java. Then you know, yeah. and, and now we now we have um we have 
uh some you know one of our games is is uh running on java and another one is running on um some some java and some c plus plus yeah so jagex is known for runescape right yeah can you tell a little bit uh tell our listeners a little bit about what runescape is and how well known it is or popular to people listening who have never heard about runescape yeah okay yeah that's fine yeah uh, so, so RuneScape is an MMO, so it's a um, which means it's a multiplayer online game. So it's um, it's a it's an epic fantasy um, game. So you um, you start off the game and you um, you create your character and you turn up in this humongous world, um, where you can do there's there's you know there's um there's loads of skills that you can you can kind of work on with you know going on quests and adventures and you know working on your attacking skill and slaying monsters or maybe you want to just go fishing or mining and smithing and you know foraging chopping down trees you know there's there's and, and but everything's kind of related you know so if you want to um if if you if you want if you do want to go off and fight monsters, well, you'll need a good sword. So you might want to go and do some mining and you know get some ore. So you can do some smithing. So you can you know get yourself a good sword um, made, and then you can go and fight some monsters, etc. So you know the 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 skills are related to each other, and you just kind of you 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 gain levels, and um yeah, there's lots of there's lots of kind of big long quests and stories in the game, and um yeah, it's so it was, it was really really popular. Um, in the early noughties, um, as you know, one of the, you know, one of the big, um, multiplayer online games that people were playing and, you know, so I, I meet loads of people now and they say, Oh, what, what do you, what do you do? Oh, I make sound effects uh, uh, for games. And they say, Oh, what game do you work on? And I said, Oh, Rune- RuneScape. And they go, wow, <laughs> they still make RuneScape. I used to play that when I was at school. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, kind of thought the same thing too. Sorry. Cause like when we, uh, yeah, I, I want to say maybe, no, more 10, 15 years ago, I want to say, it's just, I remember my younger brother and his friends, like they played it all the time, like constantly. Yeah. And then I clicked on Jagex and looked at your bio. I was like, what? They're the makers of RuneScapes? I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's super- yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those games, I think that, because there's a lot of people who've never heard of it, but the kind of, the, the people who have are like, you know, oh wow, you know, it it's a very. You, I think if you play it, you get hooked and you play it a lot. You know, it's not the kind of thing you just sort of dabble in. No, no, I um, could see myself if I did get started into that, I wouldn't stop, and so like I kind of held myself back because at that point I didn't yeah. have like time to get like invested in that. But I like yeah. like those the idea of that, just like the open world concept. You're interacting with so many players online, and there's pretty much endless gameplay upon endless gameplay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just going to say that, like, it's you know, it's quite a different scenario working at a company like Jagex, where you're working on um, where you're working on a game, a live game, you know, a game that is in what they call live ops. Okay. Um, yeah. So you know, we don't we don't we're not working on games where you work on it for a few years you know it gets it gets you know printed to a disc yep and then shipped off and then it might get patched 
but you know but then that's it it's done you know that game's done and then you make the next one you know it's like like most games are you know whereas this is you know this is something where you know we've got an 18 year old game no sorry 19 year old game mm-hmm. um which is just in perpetual development you know it it gets it gets you know updated constantly with with new quests new characters new areas new bosses new everything you know coming out all the time um it's a you know it's a very different t- type of development process so it, I, I think you know what my life looks like day to day is probably quite different to what somebody working at you know working on assassin's creed you know it's, it's going to be like you know wow that's crazy so as life continues and events happen all around us in the world y'all are continue continually developing this game day in and day out and you're just always having to adapt with like the world that's going around going on around you but you're still <laughs> creating new and new content that's just helping push this game forward each and every day so i kind of like this perpetual <laughs> gaming thing it kind of seems like a good job protection program <laughs> going out throughout the future yeah no absolutely i mean yeah you know runescape runescape you know it's always it's always popular and i mean i think as well one of the things that that has really helped it is um you we actually have two runescape games there's there's runescape and there's old school runescape yeah and old school runescape is like they just they they found an old backup of runescape you know from 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 its earlier days um before they'd introduced a whole load of new stuff and some stuff that like a lot of players kind of didn't really want mm. They found so they found this old backup, and they said, "Oh, should we release this and put it up on a server, and people will people play it?" And then everyone was like, "Yeah, definitely." And then so old school RuneScape was born. Okay. Um, and that is so popular. The whole load of people that were playing RuneScape then moved over to old school. RuneScape. Oh my gosh! And then a whole load of new people just like came. You know, people who used to play RuneScape came back and started playing old school. Um, and so so you have the how you've got this other game now, which is just, you know it's 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 really really popular um and you know like it, it won the bafta for a mobile game of the year yeah that's crazy it's now mobile yeah yes um so they really sit on on mobile and yeah now it's um now now that's doing incredibly well old school is interesting because it's like it they add new things to it but it stays very much within the kind of stylistic framework that it was before okay. so all the sounds in there are just they're all just done with this onboard synth um so there's no kind of record you can't go off and record a sound or put any vo in there and you know anything like that mm-hmm. everything has to be just programmed in using their onboard synth it's properly you know old <laughs> sounding <laughs> okay so now as we're kind of coming near the end but there's still so much to learn and to know so can you tell us a little bit about your day in and day out like what do you do as an audio designer uh, and do you primarily work on RuneScape? Um, I'm actually not working on RuneScape really at the moment. Okay. Um, occasionally I do a little bit, um, but mostly I'm working on uh, another project, an unannounced project. So oh, cool. that's one I can't I can't talk in any detail about. You know what that is, but I can obviously talk about it in you know sort of more in the abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, what do I do day to day? So. Um, I work in in one of the sub teams of the um of the overall game team um and there's um and so that that's called a, a scrum team um and that's it's a multidisciplinary team so there's like um you've got you know a couple of game designers and programmers the QA um you've got um 
you know, um, an animator and a VFX artist on, on that team. And I'm there as a sound, as the sound designer. Um, and so everything that, you know, sort of goes through that team, um, I, you know, I make the sound for, um, and so I, um, you know, maybe there's, um, maybe there's, so if there's, you know, an ability that your character does, maybe, you know, it's something to do with how they, um, how they move or how they fight or how they, um, you know, um, you know, just, you know, just any, anything, you know, that they can do, mm -hmm. you can do with that that character or maybe some of the other characters, you know, is going to need to make a sound. So then what I do is I, um, I, I then take a look at it. I break that down into its individual parts. Um, so, um, what would be an example? So let's say, um, yeah. uh, let's, I'm going to actually use an example from another game just so that I don't end up like accidentally yes. talking about something. Perfectly I fine. <laughs> yes. Um, so if you like, uh, if you're playing God of War, for example, uh -huh. which is an amazing sounding game. Um, let's say you're doing an attack with your axe, a very simple thing. Okay. So we, the, you know, the, if you're designing that sound, um, the first thing you have to do is then break it down into its individual parts. Like what, what is actually happening when you do that attack? Um, so you're going to, you know, you're probably going to end up like lunging forward. So there might be a footstep that happens on that. So you need to make the sound of that, you know, of that, mm -hmm. that footstep. Um, you're going to make a swing with the axe. So it's going to kind of make a whooshing kind of sound. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to, you might do a vocalization to your character, you know, in, in God of War, uh, you know, you get a lot of, you know, <laughs> so, so you need to have that that vocalization so you've got to get the vo done for that you know and, and have that recorded and, and ready and implemented um and then um mate you know in, in god of war like the axe also does a little kind of shimmering sound as well just so mm -hmm. that you know that it's a magic axe yeah um so so there's that there's that part to it and then you know there's um if you hit something um then you've got to have obviously have the sound of of you know, of it impacting with, with something and then a different sound, depending whether you hit a person or maybe you hit an object or, you know, a rock or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, what happens if I, if I hit that, if I hit another character, if I hit a bad guy, you know, what does he then do? Does he shout? Does he sort of disintegrate and explode or whatever? And so, so there's basically you have to sort of break down all these things into their individual layers. Um, and then, and then you have to then, so then, okay, I'm going to go into Reaper. And I'm going to make those individual sound events. Okay, so like, so step one, the swooshing of the axe. Okay, so I'm going to make that sound, and that sound might have various layers to it. You know, it might be various things, and I'm, I might then, you know, I might record something. I might use, um, I might, you know, get some bamboo canes out or something like that, and you know, kind of, you know, whoosh things around, maybe slow things down, uh, you know, pitch them down, whatever, um. Actually, you like to use a kind of use something called a Doppler plugin to make those kind of sound effects. Um, uh, you can just kind of record. So if you've got like a, sort of a static sound, like a like a wind pad or something like that, and then you can and then you can kind of use a Doppler plugin to sort of build some dynamics mm -hmm. into it. So you can kind of make it make something that goes in something that goes. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah, yeah. That that that, yeah. that kind of thing. You can shape it. Um. You know, so that, and then I would make, I, so I'd make that and I'd make, you know, I'd make all the other different bits, um, you know, maybe the sound of the, um, the sound of the impact, you know, that might have like, uh, it might have some like ripping sounds, some sort of fleshy kind of splatty sounds that I've recorded some, you know, smashed up grapefruit or I've 
I, you know, uh, or, or something. And then, and then, um, you know, you get, you've got like thumps and then for big things, you might even just actually, actually have explosions. You know, I use explosions all the time, just like as little layers, you know, bassy layers in, in, in different sound, of, in the sound effects to just to really add punch, um, you know, and thump to, to what I'm doing. So I'm making all these sound effects and, you know, I make lots of variations on them as well. You know, you can't just sort of say, okay, right. I'm making one swoosh sound. Yeah. Well, if you hear that over and over again, it's not going to sound repetitive. Yes, it's not going yes, to sound realistic. Yes. So you have to have a variation. You have a variation of each one. Okay. Yeah. So so then so then I've done the creative part of it. I've thought, well, okay, what sounds do I need? And and then I make oh. the and then I make those sounds. But then I have to then go the ne- do the next step as well, and I have to work out how those sounds are going to play back in the game. Yep. Um, I'm just thinking right now of all the different coding that's involved and how is this going to line up with all these different audio files and how is it going to work when someone hits A or B and like it, it's crazy right now. Like my, I'm just thinking about all the processing, how this it, happens. It is. It, I mean, there's a, you don't, you know, you don't have to sort of, in um, in RuneScape, you have to do a lot more of, um, you know, actual, you know, scripting in sounds that you want to play because it's, a, you know, it's got a sort of more, um, it's got an older engine and, you know, the tools are, a bit more of a over time whereas um you know but kind of modern modern tools you know current generation tools you know you have you have middleware like wise i don't know if you've ever heard of wise um but wise is um is is a middleware program so it's the kind of it's is the program basically that sits between your door and your game engine okay. um and you know you as a sound designer feed it your your sounds and then you tell you tell you know you organize all your sounds together so for example you put you know, if you've you've created like ten different swoosh sounds, you put them all together in one, like one container, and then you make an event, and then and then your game engine will then read that event, and it will just know that it will always have to randomly pick between those sounds. You don't have to code in, uh, like, nice. you know, play this sound, but don't play the one you played before, or not, you know, that kind okay. of stuff. You know, you, um, and, and so, um, but but then you do have to think. Well, even even when you have middleware and you can do all that kind of nice, um. You have a nice sort of audio designer friendly interface for that kind of thing. Your engine does need to know when it's going to call a sound. And 90% of the time, that just means syncing it to an animation. Um, you know, when you're got Kratos in God of War, like, you know, he's going to have, he's going to have his, his animation for swinging that axe. Um, so you go into your animation editor and when he gets to a certain point with, you know, where his hand is in a certain you know, place um, on that on that animation timeline. Um, you just put in a notification saying, you know, play the swish sound, um, and then the game engine will kind of will then you know read the event and it will go and find the sound effects and stuff like that. You know, so syncing to animations is you know is the really easy way to do you know to do things. But sometimes you have to think you have to do things a bit more dynamically. So you know, actually maybe um, uh, uh, footsteps are are a good example. Like you know, obviously. You know, you, you, you would put your, your, so on a, on a running or a walking animation, you need to, you know, sync up all the, the footstep events onto each of those so that it goes, you know, plays at the right time. Um, but, um, you need to make sure that the game changes the sounds that are going to play depending what surface you're working, you're, you're walking on. I know. I'm just thinking right now, wow, there's so many little different things you have to record and make like. (laughs) Just the one sword swishing, it sounds like it takes a lot of work, but think about all the different elements of the things you hear and see, and you have to create all those sounds. Yeah, there's there's a lot to it. But then I think, I mean, every time I work on any like linear 
media you know if i if working on trailers and you know that kind of stuff where mm-hmm. where it's not using a game engine you know i i often think god this is a lot of work as well because it, you have to make everything you have to do everything manually yeah yeah you have to line it up in the time code and be like scoot a little left scoot a little right all right there we go exactly yeah yeah there's all of that and then like you know if something sort of um if something sort of like you know comes in a little bit from the right and then it goes off to the left a little bit and then the camera moves a bit and then you know and and you have to sort of there lining up your panning automation yes. yeah. like really you know really exactly stuff like that was in a game engine i mean you put you put sounds on objects in the game and the listener is you know this the perspective from which he's listened you know is on the camera or you know or on the player or something like that mm-hmm. and then the game is just going to work out what the panning is going to be for you you know once you've once you've set all those things up ready to go you know you're fine you don't have to worry about you know automating panning or yeah or anything like that so oh yeah but that's still pretty intense to figure that out you know if you're wearing headphones in the game and you hear something you move right and then like it gets you know from the right into the center and it gets like from quiet to really loud and you get closer it gets louder and so that's all Mm. programmed in there you don't have to go into the details on it, how that it works. It is, yeah. I mean, that is that's the other thing, you know, that you, you sort of often forget about. Actually, is like, I mean, like spatialization and panning is, you know, is relatively straightforward. If your sound happens on an object and it's and that object is in the game world, and you, you know, you turn your character away from it, then you know it will just automatically pan it so it's in the right place. But but the, but actually, if you move further away from it or you get closer, then you have this. You have to work out like, well, how loud is it? from how far away you know is it um is this something i can hear from miles away or something i can hear relatively up close is it something that i can hear very quietly from quite far away but then it's very loud when i get up close and so you have these curves that you create called attenuation curves okay yeah um and so that you know that's something you have to think about everything that goes in the game has to have you know it's um it has to have its attenuation considered mm-hmm. um and, you know, so we spend a lot of time just kind of like tweaking those, you know, those values. Wow. That's exciting. So the more and more I interview people about different um, audio jobs out there, uh, I'm noticing there is a kind of common theme where if you want to get into a specific industry, first, it sounds like you need to start where you can do some free work where people, other people are just getting started. So for like video games, go onto these video game forums, look for other people who are starting to develop their own video games and, you know, offer your services or say, can I do a couple, you know, free things for you? And then you just continue to build up your portfolio and you just continue to work more and more in that field and you get some more connections and and just your skills continue to grow until one day you're able, you have like a great reel and then you can start applying for these big jobs such as you did for Jagex as audio designer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing as well is that you can, you know, you can team up with other people and, you know, and get involved in their games. But, you know, you, the other thing you could do is just make your own stuff. You can make your own simple games and then just really go to town on the audio in them. I mean, yeah. you know, there's nothing stopping you from just downloading Unity or, or Unreal now, watching a whole load of, you know, tutorials and just working out how games are made. You know, you're not going to make the next Assassin's Creed, you know. <laughs> I don't know why I keep talking about Assassin's Creed. <laughs> like, you know, but you, you can make, you know, yeah. you can make some simple games and work out how these things work. Um, put put a bit of time into into getting your hands dirty in the game engine, and you know that knowledge will really, really pay off. And then you have things for your portfolio. I just played 
uh, Fallout 4 and Red Dead Redemption 2. And like okay. after I finished those and like the list of credits and I was like, how in the world did they even create all these games? And I went into the start reading some articles on like how long it took. And it also sounds like a pretty intense lifestyle. Like it looks like some people worked multiple 12 hours a day and slept under their desk mm. to make it happen. Is that what work is like for you also? Or do you have like a more steady like eight to five? No, no, not at all. I mean, I mean. You know, like, yeah, yes. In terms of that, the number of the number of people involved to, to ship a game is, you know, is 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 pretty pretty huge, and the number of roles there are, yes. But no, we don't crunch uh, at Jagex, and um, that is something that is. Um, so yeah, crunch, crunch is you know the the idea that you know you have to live at your desk, basically you sleep under your desk, work constantly, never see yeah. your family, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and and that. That was a very big part of the gaming industry. I mean, I've only been in the industry for a couple of years, so you know, it, um, I don't, I don't know mm. that uh, that side of it really. That was a very big part of it for a long time, um, and that has started to die out a lot. And when studios do do it, they are called up on okay. it. Okay, yeah, um, it's become you know, crunch is a really dirty word. Okay, okay, now in the industry, um, so there are people that do it definitely. Um, but it's becoming much less common and it's something that a lot of people take into account, you know, I mean, you know, good people who know what, you know, who really know their craft and who are really valuable employees, you know, there are, there are, you know, they're a really important resource mm -hmm. um, for, for the industry. And, um, you know, there are teams of, there are teams of people, you know, we've got like, five people at our company you know there's like all companies have got their talent acquisition teams who are there to try and bring in great people from around that you know from around the industry to come and work in their studio and then you've got all the outsource you know recruiters as well you know and all they're all on linkedin mm -hmm. trying to you know get people from different you know companies and work in other jobs and stuff like that you know people are a really really important resource and they don't they're starting to people have started to realize they don't want to work in bad conditions mm -hmm. Um, and they have the choice and there are more, opp more opportunities now for people to work in better places. So, um, but also I think it depends where you work as well. I think crunch is much bigger in America than it is here in mm -hmm. the UK. Um, and I think even, I think in the rest of Europe, um, you know, things are even more kind of, um, employee okay. focused rather than kind of really kind of hardcore product driven. Yeah. I've been noticing that also, um, I do some podcasts from, for some talent recruiters in singapore and they're also from the uk okay. australia and so i'm getting like like the behind the scenes look of like how business is operating around the entire world and like <laughs> oh wow <laughs> so it's really funny and then they always talk about how they're making sure like the workplace is more you know employee friendly and more family friendly and so i i like to see that yeah it's it's really important it's it's really important and uh, it's something we're going to see a lot more of. We, we often think about competition mm -hmm. in terms of customers, um, but actually competition in terms of employees and staff retention is really important as well. And, um, you know, I think, I think like even with this COVID scenario now, like a whole load of companies are going to be, you know, going to have to address the fact that all their low, you know, all their employees are saying, well, 
can I work from home a few days a week? Mm-hmm. You know, when all this is over, people are going to be like, well, I was able to work from home for like, you know, <laughs> six months. You know, this might go on for a year. You yeah. know, we don't know how long we're going to be doing it. So can I do that like half yeah, the week? Definitely. You know, well, you know, it works. Well, you know, if you if you've got one studio that says you can and another studio that says you can't, well, people are probably going to go and work at the studio that says you can, aren't they? Wow. Well... This interview has given me so much insight into the life of an audio designer, and I, I appreciate everything that you have talked to us about today. It has been awesome. Are there any last words you would like to ex- tell and explain? And I don't know anything you want to say. I think um, I, I think I probably have been a bit rambling and spent more time chatting about things that aren't as important, like my bloody Kaylee band. But like you, I think yeah, you know. Audio designing in games is an absolutely amazing career. Um, it is a very long game. It takes a while to get into and you really have to kind of hone that craft and spend a lot of time trying and getting rejected and all that kind of stuff as well. But, you know, it's 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 a fantastic thing to be doing and it's so creative. Um, so I just kind of, yeah, would encourage people to, 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 to try it out and, um, you know, get in touch with me if you have any questions about, you know, about it and, you know, how you might get your foot in the door or something. Yeah, and how would people uh, get in touch with you? Um, well, I'm on I'm on Link Leah. I'm on LinkedIn. Ashton Mills on LinkedIn. If you're, I usually accept uh, requests from anybody who's um, you know an audio person. Um, okay. You know, I, yeah, so, awesome. so you know, I might probably already be friends with some listeners anyway. Um, or you know, you could uh, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm Ashton underscore Audio. Okay. Awesome. And that's great. And if anyone's interested in reading Ashton's article, um, what's the best way to get there? Just go to your LinkedIn. I also saw that it got posted on asoundeffects.com. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd really, um, yeah. I mean, go there. Go, go there anyway because a sound effects is their their blog is amazing. Like they put out, I think they put out a couple of articles every day about you know about audio in games and in films, and they interview amazing you know very accomplished people about their work on really big projects and and yeah no it's go there definitely go there it's a great resource thank you so much ashton for coming on to the show today thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure all right and everyone uh make sure you subscribe because i have a lot more amazing interviews with other audio engineers and designers and composers and anything related to audio from around the world so make sure you stay tuned and listen Alrighty, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye. Peace out. Bye. Bye-bye.